Hello and welcome to your favourite political podcast, Politbabble. And we're back for yet another week of political intrigue. We're starting with something quite different today, which is Oliver's long-missed uh, part of the programme, which is our current affairs or current things happening in the world. I'm Archibald Elliott, and as usual, I'm joined by my absolutely superb co-host, Oliver Sykes. Welcome. So yes, we're back and hitting it back with you with the variety of world events that have occurred in the past months that we haven't addressed <laughs> the current affairs. So yes, that's on the cards for today. You may hopefully have enjoyed our last uh, episode with Mitzi danielson Kazlik about gender issues. We do apologise, obviously, for some technical difficulties. We don't actually know what happens um, to Mitzi's part of the audio, but... Anyway, we did our best at rectifying the issue. How are you, Oliver? Yes, not so bad, not so bad. Looking forward to starting the final. Uh, well, not the final, because obviously I'll have more academic years ahead of me, but, well, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, going into the final year of uh, high school. Well, no, it's not high school, it's sick form. You know what I mean. Year 13, going into it, getting it done. Yeah. So, yeah, but, yeah, nevertheless... Enjoying our final few days off, but apart from that, I'm looking forward to get, getting uh, raring on the current affairs, but how are you, Archie? I'm good, thank you. Good. Well, should we get started on <laughs> Very current affairs? Yeah. Yes, yes. Probably <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. the overlying issue at the moment is the cost of living crisis, but I'm sure we'll we'll get on to talking uh, about that in terms of uh, Isle of Man and UK sort of mm. issues there, but... Um, a lot of the current affairs we'll probably talk about, we'll, we'll mix with that anyway. We'll keep it local first and look at the Isle of Man. And with the Isle of Man government uh, having a price cap um, on electricity, uh, a six-month electricity price cap to give us an island a fighting chance, which is what the Chief Minister, uh, Alfred Cannon, is saying. Um, the price cap to allow for manageable rises in 2023. Archie, do you think the Isle of Man government are kicking the, ro- kicking the can down the road with... Um, with capping energy prices at the moment, and what about gas users? Well, there, there's two there's two schools of thoughts, I suppose, on this. One is that we need to put in good groundwork to protect our vulnerable citizens within this cost of living crisis, and the other is, are we going to increase our tax burden for future generations, which again puts strain on cost of living, and what will the situation actually be like when the price cap comes out of force, um, which, again, would be six months, so it would be the summer months, so that would probably be easier on many mm. people. But also, is the government wasting even more money? Because it's not affecting, um, obviously, as you said, gas users, and that's the main form of heating for most residential houses in the island, from my understanding, unless my, my numbers are outdated. Yeah. And that doesn't actually help those people at all with dealing with the cost of living crisis. I think the government might put in other measures to protect them, but Max Gas is already ri- rising, I think. It was a very it was a stupid amount of something like 90%. I, I can't remember the figure off my top of the head, but it was mm-hmm. quite large uh, in, in gas prices. So whether the measures actually help the citizens or not is questionable, but I think they're bringing in a whole swath of other measures in the coming months. But I would be happier with the government doing this if it didn't waste money on superfluous projects. We see superfluous projects such as the um, ferry terminal being built in Liverpool, uh, 
The promenade scheme? The promenade scheme is another one. Where it doesn't seem to be money money well spent at all. Mm. It's 35 million over budget, if that, on the ferry terminal, which, if they didn't waste it, would pay for this scheme they're putting in currently to cap energy. It doesn't seem, I think, a well well, well thought out fiscal policy, I think, from the government. Mm -hmm. It's very much, let's, we have money, let's use it, rather than being prudent. So in times of strain, like the cost of living crisis here, we then have the ability to deal with it without putting more undue strain on the exchequer, where maybe it doesn't have to be a loan of 20 million to the MUA, but actually it could be paid off through well thought out government investment that doesn't leave us in any sort of deficit, doesn't leave us in any sort of government departments in debt for each other, mm-hmm. it would make, to me, more fiscal sense. I think I'd be uh, more palatable. Yeah. Well, in terms of that, you can express your views on this at a new government event. It's the first of its any kind. It's happening at the Villa Marina on the 20th to the 21st of, or the 21st to the 22nd of September. Um, government are holding a conference event. Uh, mainly, this was put in place in the island plan for um, local people in the Alamand to express their views. And the the main focus on the uh, inaugural event is the population plans, which is part of the Alamand's new economic strategy, um, which I'm sure Archie will touch on upon in a second. Um, but that really, everything seems to be shaped by this economic strategy at the moment. And in, in terms of me touching upon this, I just want to sort of say, well, if, if government want to do this and um, they've got to become more streamlined and stop wasting the money that they currently are, um, they've it was in the news the last week that government's um, the people on the on the payrolls expanded by about two, 200 again. I mean, you know, it, it's not really everything tying up very well. Well, we've, we've addressed it before. The almost the Isle of Man's biggest employer is the public sector. Yes. There's not necessarily a downside to that in some people's opinion. In others, I, I think it's not necessarily efficient. If it's efficient, it doesn't matter if you have need 8,000 people to make it efficient, but it must be efficient. It must be well spent. And you'd think for uh, a tenth almost of the population being employed, is it, I think it's about, about a tenth because we've got 88,000, mm-hmm. we've got roughly 8,000 civil servants, public servants, we would think that at least we would have all the bureaucracy done quickly. But we look at uh, issues like the planning department, for example, mm-hmm. over here. The backlog with that department is insane. We see, even if you submit paperwork for something, the amount of time it takes to process, the amount of bureaucracy which it goes through is, quite frankly, ridiculous. The amount of manpower the government can hold, or even the potholes on the islands. Mm. Why, out of all the public servants do they employ, do they not employ a, te- a, a large team to actually go and deal with these potholes rather than spend millions of pounds on refurbishment but not anything on upkeep? It's Again, it's another gripe with government spending. But you mentioned there the population issue. I think that's mm-hmm. it's an interesting one. I don't think we should really <laughs> raise our population to 100,000. One of the main attractions, I think, personally for the island is quiet island life not yeah. possibly not busy it's quiet it's peaceful it's relaxing and even in recent years i've noticed since i started driving the amount of traffic on the road maybe i've started driving maybe mm, yeah i yeah. contributed you, to this you've become aware of, I, I, no, yeah. i've become part of this you've, yeah um with driving there's more traffic on the road than before well we, that's the problem I, you're I, a part of the issue, I'm part of the issue. yeah but 
there's more traffic on the road. There's more. It's, it's busier. There's not as much tr- tranquil life. And even we see the hosepipe bans which come into place. Some may argue it's a consequence of climate change. Some may argue it's actually an increase in water. And it was talked about, I suppose, in the local press about will the increase to 100,000 people put even more strain on our water sources? Well, it was only the other day yes. that Alfred Cannon was saying that we are going to be expanding our, our, our water capacity. But um, if you look at it, that, that I was looking at a consultation that they've put out in regards to this, and they were talking at one point about um, potentially having to de uh sensitize people who are basically not um e- uh active for the economy so old people that have just sort of moved here people that have li- not only lived here for uh, less than 5 years or whatever about having to desensitize them via either paying towards healthcare or something basically um and i mean Desensitize. Yes. What word to you? Desensitize. So like incent incentive. Oh, oh de-incent- de-incentivize. That's the ah, word. Yeah, I've got. No, I, I, I see desensitize. Like they're, they're being burned. We don't <laughs> no, see no, bur- no. If, if you like, burn someone enough, their nerves will disappear, and they won't be sensitive there. So they be de- desensitized. De- Vised. De-incentivised. De-incentivised, as I'd say, probably. But, um, <laughs> yes, so that was mm. quite uh, interesting. But I think, the yeah, the it's very bold, the economic strategy. Um, and they're looking at, I, I mean, this will be interesting one for you, Archie. Uh, Liverpool John Moore's University conducting a uh, review into illicit drugs. Um <laughs> I, I I heard about that, but not not. Uh, I suppose I heard about that on Facebook of all places uh, in the Isle of Man news and politics. Uh, apparently, Jane Paul Wilson was asking this John Boyle. Yes, about it. I yes. saw that. Was that the other day? Yes, that was yeah. the other day. Mm. I rarely check Facebook. It's, it's only by chance I mm. came across it. Um, yes, I didn't really get what the point of that was. Mm. Um, but I think again, the government focuses a lot. A lot at the moment on economic strategy. But they're going two steps beyond because it's how long has it taken for them to get medicinal medicinal Mm. cannabis sorted? Ages. So don't look into things before you, you know. Again, it comes back to efficiency. And I think the government should, in its economic plan, really focus on efficiency. And once it focuses on efficiency, I think the other part it could do is maybe reinstating the sort of community spirit back on Ireland. Because Mm. I, I feel over the past few years... It's still there in some regard, but it's starting to get lessened. It's not there as much yeah. as it used to be. Even see it again. I can point to an example of driving. The amount of pe- people who now thank you has gone down. It's a very petty thing. Gosh, or the people, people who, let, who let you out, it's gone down. The number of people who say hello in the street people or went the cycling, it's gone up. <laughs> it's, it's gone up exactly. Or the number of people when you go on your walk and don't even look at you. Just, yeah, just thank or you. You say hello and people or good evening or whatever. Good morning. And they send nothing back. A, a stare. And that I think the the government does have a role to play in in this issue of, of actually reinstating some sort of culture that makes people want to live here, makes it friendlier, it makes it a better place to live. So, in terms of what what can they do to still um, to create growth on the island? Then, mm. what can they do instead of making the population a lot bigger? How can they 
still attract people but make it manageable what you know surely they'd be have to be looking at specific sectors well i'm i'm very confused what they think bringing a hundred thousand people will benefit well, oh, oh, what, increasing up to what, but, but, but what but what new sectors can be built without bringing in twelve thousand new yeah. people in terms of our infrastructure, our infrastructure at the moment is not capable for that at all. We only no, have no. to look at TT when things go mm. the prom at five o'clock in TT when people are still working and the races have finished exactly. up and trying to get mm. to the races. It's ridiculous. But I think we'll we'll try and wrap it up on this because we don't want to rant on this all day. We want to probably shift to, to, to UK news mm. if that's what you yes. want to do. Mm. Well, oh. We um, we have a fire alarm, we so fire we, alarm. we shall be back shortly. Yes. Cheerio. So we're back now after our enforced break from a fire alarm, uh, even though it turned out it wasn't a fire alarm. We didn't burn and die. Shame Oliver wasn't left in the fire. Anyway, um, we come we come to an interesting point that Oliver made me aware of. What what what's, what's this new, uh, the last bit of the Manx current affairs? Well, uh, interestingly enough, um, there was a requ- requisition meeting called uh, a couple of weeks ago, and a requisition meeting usually held um, pre-general election where the captain of the parish on the Isle of Man, there's 17 parishes, um, are made up. Uh, anyway. Um, they're made up? <laughs> they make up the Isle of Man, should I say. Anyway, um, that's where the captain of the parish gathers in all the uh, people that are standing for election. Now, requisitions could... that That happens just before the election, but the government have changed the name of that now anyway but requisition meetings could also be called uh by the captain of the parish when 12 parishioners uh people who live in the parish uh all write to the captain of the parish with the same singular issue whether that's usually a issue with the local commissioners or so one of the elected officials uh i think anyway um anyway they'd all written to him about uh how andrew smith mhk for uh, Garth had said in a previous uh, pre-election interview with Studio One, who were one of the media people who were holding hustings prior to the election. Anyway, Andrew uh, has also w- went back on his word a little bit and said things. And anyway, so the parishioners are not very happy. But he's also been a bit. He's also done this on a similar issue with the sewage. Uh, being pumped the way that's being done as well um he pretty much got in on the sewage vote basically um <laughs> as being a long-standing commissioner and obviously saying that he would sort the sewage system out or be you know push hard for the sewage system to be stop the sewage being pumped in the sea at laxia or whatever anyway we'll go on to this little uh the requisition meeting we yeah, just watched yes, a clip yes. uh paul malton iom tv courtesy of him um, he filmed the requisition meeting. Very interesting. Quite a packed room in a church hall. Anyway, and, Archie uh, and the bit round like um, thirty nine minutes in. Um, from at least my understanding, from what I've watched, so I don't get sued on this. But from my understanding, he was asked a question by Jamie Smith, Mr. Who Smith, was a um, who was a candidate, candidate. election. And he um, he got asked a question by Mr. Smith about what he'd said. And, I'm pretty sure all the yes. candidates were, apart Indeed, from, yeah. uh, I don't think Daphne Kane was there, but she's already in yeah. MHK, she probably doesn't want to get involved in the issue. But, but, anyway, and Andrew Smith, the first response he had to a question, I think sets the tone for the whole response. I don't have to answer questions. 
from you. Which is true, in Which fact. True. Uh, he he does... summoned... It, well, you don't actually have to be summoned by the captain of the parish, but he says um, the captain of the parish made contact with Andrew and said, would you like to come? Um, and the captain of the parish does have to call these meetings no yeah. matter what they're on, but, as but, long as 12 people get a It's true he doesn't have to answer the questions, but it's a bit of a... It's a weird statement to make. You're there... Why else would you attend? Yes, I'm just here to sit. <laughs> you can ask questions to me, but I won't answer them. I'm just listening to the questions. It doesn't make sense. But anyway, once he got into it, it's very unclear because he said at the first part of that, from my understanding, that his decision was based on faith. And then he said, my decision was based on research. And then he said, my religion, my, my decision was based on faith. And then I did my research. And it backed up what I said. And then he said, no, but I did research before. And there was one line of the bill that particularly concerned me, which has to be in every single bill, which is, and connected purposes. The now, bill, uh, what he Mr. was saying... Allenson, uh, Mr. would seeks legal for the courts to introduce a private member's bill for assisted dying for the terminally ill and connected purposes. Is, uh, is from... uh, it was something about children. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 it wasn't related to children. No, but, but that's what Andrew Smith right. then said. He had a big problem with connected purposes for something happening with children in the Netherlands. It was a bit, it wasn't even explained. Oh, it wasn't explained properly. But anyway, as Gareth Young then said, but all bills that pass through Timwald have the addition yeah. of connected purposes. And he said, yes, I understand that. But this in this bill, that wording particularly concerned me. It's but, everywhere but, but, in the But this man bill. seriously needs to have a look at himself. And he should have he should have allowed for the debate to happen because then he could have stated that the research that he's done on how young Again, people... This, and I'm this, pretty this, sure this, this would not come down to young people to having their lives no, to say, you know... And, and this equally, it's not passing the bill. It's introducing a bill for debating yes. the bill. And then you could have input clauses and all this. Why does he even not want to debate? If he's Mm. a man of research, as he suggests, surely research implies debate. Um, And it's more, he doesn't seem to understand the bill process with connected purposes. That will part made me laugh because. It's, it's so, even it's even so uh, Gareth Young knows this, and he's not even been an MHK, so you can't just say, "Oh well, it's because I'm a I'm not as experienced." No, um, no but, but he said himself he knew he agreed with Gareth. Like he yeah, knows yeah. That every bill has a connected purpose added to it, but it was only in this bill it caused a big issue. Why? Um, you can. Well, it's because Oliver, as I'll, from my understanding of my interpretation here, faith played the main role, or maybe no wait. Research played the main role. Or maybe it was faith, or maybe it was research. I don't quite know. That's my understanding of of, of this. But anyway, we should probably move on, unless you have anything else to uh, add. No. Um. To our UK's little uh, slot. Yes. Yes. What do you want to look at first? Well, really, we've obviously you... got the um, coming in in three days from the time of recording. We're calling it on the 2nd of September. We've got the Conservative Party leadership election oh, yeah. results announced on the 5th of September, which we find out who our next Prime Minister after Bojo is. So, who's your money on, Oliver? Well, a lot of the media are stating that Liz Truss is far ahead, so I imagine it will be Liz Truss. Um... I think that she's not the best candidate. I don't think that... I think Rishi would be maybe slightly better. I've lost my patience with the Conservative Party. I 
really couldn't care anymore what happens because it's going to be a total shambles. Um, they can't be trusted. Hey, hey, see what I did there? Trusted. Anyway, over to you, Archie. Why can't they be trusted? Well, you've only got to see. Uh, You've only got to take one glance when Boris is saying that you should invest, buy a new kettle for £20 and you'll save £10 on your electricity bill. There's no common sense between them. Um, but, but, that, but surely that's just delusion, not necessarily trust. Again, he's true. He What he said there surely was a statement of fact. You buy a new kettle <laughs> for £20, you save £10 a year on energy bills. How is that not trustworthy, if it's true? I don't know if it's true or not. To me, You've it's only that... got to look at their response to the cost of living crisis. and Which was? Sorry? Which was? Nothing. <laughs> that's not strictly true. If you listen to Rishi Sunak in the debates, however, you'd notice that £400 was going... 400... Well, that's not enough when energy bills where, are where, going where, up where, to £3,500, Archie. When, so. when, when the um, support was initially introduced, Oliver, again, I'm just explaining his position. When the support was originally introduced, the bills weren't going up to £3,500. The cap hadn't yet been raised that far. And when the support went in, it was a large level of support, £400 at the minimum for every household. uh, Households which were more vulnerable got more of the share. And it's unclear what the leadership candidates currently would put in if they rose to the office that is Prime Minister. But I'd assume they would deal with the crisis in some way. And it's it's, it's, it's an impossible thing to deal with, really. We don't know what works. There's no... There's no one one solution fits all. We try, and they try their best. And it's, sh- it's, 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 it's a lot of money to play and make a bad mistake with. So it's a very difficult scenario, and it needs to be dealt with. But they are putting some support in. Maybe not enough, as some may argue. But to say this put no support in, I think, um, would be questionable. Mm-hmm. So how are they not... To be trusted, Oliver. Well, you've only got. To I look thought in Lisby Trust, you've only got to look at their dodgy uh, con- contracts um, during the the pandemic. Uh, now we now them. now we move on to more interesting <laughs> stuff. But moving on from that, uh, but, 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 but equally, I think we're raising raising an issue with that. Some PPE contracts didn't do too well, and they were fraudulent. And the Treasury is at the moment claiming that back. But others, if you think about it, to deal with the level they have to deal with, they have to have less due diligence if they were to do it. I think it's all a shambles. What they're doing currently is focusing too much on... They're focusing far, far too much, again, on certain... They've got really no... The UK government, uh, even the parties within it, are all, to me now, effectively very similar... We're only seeing more expansion, for example, in the war against woke from both Sunak and Trust now, which is very good to see. But otherwise, on economic issues, they're all they're they're all there's no real opposition. We see um, even Starmer. There was a clip from him on Andrew Marr. Again, it was a while ago, and he was asked he was asked by Andrew, Miss um, Marr, whether he would nationalise all six energy companies. He said no. And if you look at the pledge he made in the original, I think it was about a year or so before that, it was in July he gave this pledge, I think when Andrew Marr was still on BBC. 
And it said that he would nationally, he thought it was important to na- have public owned public services like energy was mentioned. So our, our parties are generally, to me, the same. There's no real opposition. They both focus purely on economic issues. There's no, for example, as some would call it, a political right left anymore. It's still pandering to um, the flim-flam of wokeism in some regard. It's, again, thankfully, the Conservative Party is changing that. They're bringing back some issues on preserving our culture. But we even saw, for example, Penny Mordaunt, one of the uh, leadership contenders, Originally, in her speech to women's inequality, she said a trans woman is a woman. And we, we have these ridiculous statements made purely to pander to getting votes and not dealing with the actual issues at stake. If we had, for example, more, oh, you may call me too patriotic and nationalistic, if we had a national spirit more so than we do now, we could get through this crisis by working together. We got through, for example, the wars. We got through the blitz through having a strong national spirit. Mm-hmm. The same can be applied here. And yes, we may need more government support for people to get them through this crisis, but we must also recognise that giving a man a fish is very different to teaching a man to fish. So just giving them support to get through the crisis doesn't solve it because we may give them support to get through the winter, but what happens if the situation next year isn't any different? What happens if the situation the year after isn't any different? We still face the same issues again and again and again. And that's why, again, trust, for example, with economic issues, she wants to build the economy to try and prevent us from getting out of a recession. And you may recall from an earlier podcast that I said I'd vote for Rishi. I didn't. I voted for trust in the end. Oh, I did. Well, and we'll come to that yeah. in a minute. But... Again, as Ian, so Ian Duncan Smith said on, um, I think it was LBC or something, uh, or might have been, I think it was LBC, we have to prevent ourselves at all costs of getting into a recession. We are already on the cusp of entering a recession if we've not already entered a recession, but we must not enter a recession because that has massive contractions on the economy. People will most likely lose jobs, which makes it harder to afford bills, which they already are struggling to pay. The economics, unfortunately, within our current climate of how our country functions are at the key. Maybe they shouldn't be at the key of our country, but currently in the system we have, they are at the key of almost everything we do, every action we take. There's an economics issue there. Mm -hmm. If that's the best model or not, is yet to be be decided. And I question this, even where I stand at the moment all the time, whether a purely economic society is actually the one which strives to, for the best. It's useful to have economics, but again, what we look at our industry, we have massive supply chain issues. We look at the likes of China. They control lots of the world trade. The UK, its industry has actually declined. We don't, we don't have much industry left. We have moved again into a service-based economy. And yes, I suppose one of my, my favourite political figures, Margaret Thatcher, did have a role to play in that. But with with the whole uh, economy, I think it's very hard to say they're not putting any support in because it's a whole myriad of reasons they have to deal with to actually get in. And you must ask yourself, what's the alternative? Who's the alternative? Who would do a better job? And I, I pose you that question. If you don't trust the Conservative Party, who would you put in to actually deal with the crisis and you believe would do a better job? Oh, the SMPs, obviously. You do want the <laughs> SMPs? I'm joking. You, you needn't look at Scotland's uh, overspend on their uh, shipbuilding, their um, overspend on education, which doesn't work, the NHS hospitals that don't open. 
uh, their massive backlog that's larger than the UK? Well, I suppose you just got to live with the Conservatives wrecking our lives still. <laughs> right, yeah. But who, who would you I seriously know, put in? Yeah, well, What's your alternative? Labour, but probably under a new leader. So you don't believe Keir Starmer would do a job at dealing with this? Well? Um, don't think so. He's just a closet Tory, isn't he? <laughs> that, that is, that's the problem we have in politics. We don't have actual opposition to policies as such and because why however much Alaman system does work better than a party system you know but potentially but again there's no actual opposition which i think it instills laziness and ineffectitude if we look at the general uk system we may believe there's some opposition but the difference between the economic policies of the conservative party which wants free marketeering in some regards or one nation toys we don't want such free marketeering mm-hmm. And we look at the economic policies of Labour, which some argue is socialism. We've created, as we'll come on to in a minute, the Overton window, but we've almost contract- we've contracted the space of economic thought and we've made the extremes actually rather close together. The, the Labour Party, however much we like to scaremonger, isn't communist, really. Their social policy is, to me, atrocious. The conservative social policy is a bit better, but there's no real, uh, there's no real opposition. They're all the same, the same, all kind of contributing to wanting, uh, as some some may call it, um, from what I've heard, uh, wanting almost the new. Uh, they all they all drive for money effectively or new economy, but whether they care about the people should be the function of government in theory, is questionable. The government almost would be better not being. <laughs> not being there mm. and having such sway on our economy because it's not doing anything, really, which benefits us. Again, that sounds like I'm a left-wing loony now, uh, but it's, it's a very complicated situation we're in where we've almost... We haven't, we've, we're trying to take a middle road between having free market and having government control, but the middle road never really works because it's trying to compromise, it's... Con- it's always compromising. Yeah. And that part, I think, is damaging overall. Fair enough. But anyway, we, we come to our... Oh, absolutely, our topic. Our topic, which is the Overton window. So, we've got the Overton window. What's the Overton window, Oliver? Well, the Overton window is the range of policies which are... Uh, politically acceptable to the mainstream population at a given time it's also known as the window of discourse um so the overton window um it is named after the american policy analyst joseph overton who stated that an idea's political viability depends mainly on whether it falls within this range rather than polit- politicians um individual preferences um so the the window frames the range of policies that a politician can recommend without appearing too extreme uh without appearing too extreme to gain or keep public office given the climate of public opinion at that time. So I think we've described it before the the Overton window mm. but I I'll do it again for all our listeners uh who are not too familiar. So there's two spectrums to the uh to the Overton window two ends of the spectrum one Starts off with the unthinkable, then radical, then acceptable, then sensible, then popular, then 
policy. Then popular again, then sensible, then acceptable, then radical, then unthinkable. Uh, and I suppose if you think about it in two ways, I suppose it goes one side is your, your left unthinkable and one side your right unthinkable and then it tends to meet in the middle and it sort of shifts mm. in a way. I mean, Archie's probably better read up on this than, than I am. But um... Well, it, it comes back to what I think I was saying a minute ago in the fact that our difference of opinion isn't too great because they always seem to fall inside this Overton window where they must think a certain policy to be acceptable. There's no there's no room in our politics for radical thinkers. You yeah. look why the Communist Party has no MPs or the UKIP has no MPs. There's no room for any sort of radicalisation. And, ra- ra- and ra- it shows that our, our current political system of the, the, the voting system, the first-past-the-post si- first system, prevents um, mm. such uh, radicalist parties or individuals to, to gain power. But the Overton window, to me, has gradually shifted it comes back to the creeping normality mm-hmm. the creeping normality is gradually shifted over time left it's gradually shifted left in both economic policies because we have the economic left and we have the political left and political right and the economic right mm-hmm. and they all form different things but especially in economic policies it becomes now unthinkable to have to say actually maybe we shouldn't tax the rich more that's awful. It's against the workers. It's become unacceptable to say, for example, again, we fight, people are fighting back and trying to stretch the Overton window in the other direction. It's now unacceptable to say, maybe we shouldn't pull down our statues. Maybe we should praise our culture. Maybe we should think that streets shouldn't be renamed. Maybe we are allowed to think that trans women aren't women. Maybe we are allowed to think these things. And that's what's coming to fruition now. Hopefully we're stretching it back in the other direction. Maybe we're widening this Overton window to allow us to think a range of opinion that actually allow us to create better policy. Because otherwise we're constrained to what's allowed to be thought. And it's almost the it's the social control, it's social norms we have to follow. Mm. You look at, for example, 70, 80 years ago, uh, the social norms, even in society... It was harder to... It was, actually, no, not 80 years ago. Look, 100, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. If you weren't, for example, going uh, to a formal dinner in white tie, it would be atrocious. You turned uh, up in joggers and, and, the, a, and a T-shirt now. And it would be absolutely fine. You yeah. went to formal dining, you always wore a jacket. Now, uh, you, it's, it's, it's non-existent. So this is, again, social opinion changing over time. Some say it's freeing. But actually, I think the Overton window has created less freedom because it's by moving left, it removes more of the anchor points that have been traditional in society. And these anchor points, may it be dress sense, may it be um, gender identity, maybe a whole myriad if of someone things. Told me five, even, if someone told me ten years ago that, you know, the way things would be in, in terms of hmm. um, people identifying as cats or exactly, furries, yes, yes. Uh, you know, that would shock me. Yes, um, but it, I, I think the, the the root of it comes to removing the, the... If we almost imagine it, this Overton window is like a... It's a window, but it moves over and you see a different view. Mm. But the view you've now missed and it's now moved past is, are the anchor points yeah. where it allows us more freedom because within the anchor points where we have surety and we have security, that allows us to be free because there's things we don't even have to worry about. And now it's moved because it's trying to rethink public opinion 
we don't have anger points. We need to rethink everything about ourselves. Uh, even if you look at the way faith has gone within our societies, the amount of people who, for example, are Christian now mm. has decreased. The amount of people who are atheism is on the rise. And But this is another thing. What uh, You know, yeah. obviously people mm. can have a belief and yes. stuff, but the... The strength of people that are true Christians, in a sense, who uh, are devoted to to the the church and all this kind of stuff, mm. is is increased. I mean, all it takes is for someone to say, "Well, I, I am." You know, I, I could say, you know, what I mean, is to say or to mm. state that they are Christian. You know what I mean? So yes. the amount of people that attend church is not nowhere near as as much as it used to be. But again, it removes the sense of. It's almost it's breaking up society, I think, by the, mm. this this shift in the over. Well, the tradition is one thing that's that seems to be. It seems to be yeah, on, on, on yeah. waning. It seems to be on the decline. Um, because, for example, churches they build communities. Yeah, it, it's not like we've said, well, we're not having churches anymore, but we'll find another way to bring in community. It's almost it's just getting rid. It's getting rid without replacement, mm-hmm. and that I think is is not. It's not. It's not good for a healthy society. One thing that was probably good for our community earlier mm. in the year, there was probably, and you'd probably definitely agree with me. This was the uh, Diamond Jubilee. It's, yes, there's no, a lot good. of tea parties, and whether people are, you know, for for the monarchy or not, it brought mm. people together. But there, there was uh, arguably on social media. Again, it's a very bad measurement of things. But social but media I does think not was, always represent. But how there was things more. Are. Th- but again, there was a lot more than you're thinking. Ten years ago, public opinion is shifting. You look fifty years ago, there'd be no one complaining. There's a public jubilee, or there's Union Jacks flying. But this time round. 2022. Oh, it's like Nazi Germany here in Bond Street or Regent Street with all these British flags. No, it's not like Nazi Germany. The British flag is a sign of hope. What's wrong with having a bit of national pride? I think it looks rather nice. <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous, I think, that now it's become very, oh, you just can't do that. But like St. George flag up uh, in your house because it's become the flag of the EDL. We must reclaim our flags almost. We must re- reclaim these things that are key to our culture because it's just being... We've oh, been told those, we can't. I'm sorry. We, we'll have to talk about these next week in Current Affairs, mm. but they've they've just cropped to my mind um, in terms of there was the No Police at Pride, uh, oh, the Alaman yes. Pride event, and then also about Julie Edge not releasing exam statistics this year. Um, that's been announced this morning. Oh. I'm sorry to... Yeah, I'm sorry no, it's to come fine, across yes. as this, but this will be... Probably either discussed at the very end if we have time or yes. into next week. But I just wanted to, I forgot to get those in. But that's quite concerning that they don't want, because apparently, what did she say? People were quite pleased with, uh, a good, there was a good amount of people going to university. So that means... <laughs> it's, 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 but, but again, it's, it's silly. But with the police at Pride, I think yeah. it's... But it's, this is again, the shift. Mm-hmm. In public opinion, and it was it's it, not it's not shifting as it shifts to be a more free society. More pride, the more I in pride on. stands for inclusion. Exactly, and it's not inclusive. It's these these methods. It was, it was a he- it, I'm sorry, but they had a a license bar or whatever a a bar that was there were several thousand people attending this event, and I was there in well I was nearby in the evening because I was at the theatre mm. bar. Uh, after my performance, and there was a fight um, that broke out, and probably due to people being intoxicated, mm-hmm. um, and 
you expect a several thousand people event and for no police officers to be in attendance and also there is drinking on site and there are mm. families there and you say no cops at pride well i'm sorry but you, well it's, it's policing yeah. it's, it's a policing event whether we agree with them taking part in uniform is, is, is a different matter they said um, it, it was uniformed officers okay so if we have undercover officers yeah, not wearing fine. uniform but that's it, fine it, it's, it's, they're it's, a police it's officer at the end of the mm. day it's the uniform or not well it's the uniform that they find offensive um but i think even with our policing it's taking at least them it appears to be moving back not necessarily on ireland but in the uk they're being issued with new advice not to pursue Getting people arrested for tweeting something, yeah, which I think is good. Well, you need to be focusing on the, the Overton on, window again yeah. has shifted, and now you tweet something which you can't be said, and suddenly it's like the Gestapo at your door and dragging you away to be questioned with your phone requisition because you tweeted. Uh, and Joe Bloggs over there got heavily sorry, not sorry. Uh, uh, well, I, I won't say anything offensive. I might, I might, <laughs> might get pulled in for questioning myself, but anyway, I think you get my point. It's ridiculous what society has moved into, where it's like it is, I suppose, as those people said. It's like Nazi Germany over here, because the police are becoming much more political engaged. Where it shouldn't be, you see cop cars painted rainbow colours, where I'm all for police officers having their own personal opinions, but for me, it doesn't... It doesn't... I don't... I would have equal... Uh, annoyance if they painted their car with the colours of the Conservative Party, or they pa- painted well, they their. Are, aren't they? <laughs> they, <laughs> they got they... blue on them. Yeah, but they, but they, they, they take other political stands. I'd be annoyed with any of them because I think it's ultimately wrong. The police are there purely to uphold the law of the land, and their ultimate thing is to protect life. Exactly, you know, and not, to... not take political statements, not take the knee. It's it's all to me ridiculous, and we're putting American proxy culture wars into Europe. These, these, these problems which we face, again, we see the likes of BLM or all, all these movements. To me, they are exports of America. Americanization, which has come into Europe and tried to make our culture like America, where our culture is different. It's always been different. And to me, that's probably half of the cause. Again, social media has added to this because... It's globalised everything. It's globalised opinion. It's globalised politics in a way it never was. And whether that's another, that's another issue for another day, social media, which we've discussed before in politics, it drives a lot of things that wouldn't ordinarily happen. And I, I personally think the Overton window, it's a shame the Overton window exists. It obviously exists because it's society. But I think it's a shame that the Overton window has become narrower and has moved to creating what were normalised opinions entirely wrong and must be banned or must be shot down. It's I, I find that worrying. But don't you think it's interesting in a point of view that the way that they can use these, um, how, how we, we would deem these things unthinkable and uh, unimaginable, to then they actually become popular or sensible policy in a way. Don't you think that that is quite interesting in a way that um that that how things have shifted and sometimes over not a short mate not after a long amount of time that politicians Mm. have have got policy in and you would have thought that was ridiculous a few years ago yes no i i I agree it's it is quite shocking uh and it's it's interesting at the same time 
But to me, I, I come back again. I think I come back to the same point. It's not necessarily that this um, policy that was unpopular can become popular. Of course, it happens. Mm-hmm. But it's more. It always seems to be almost a the floodgates have been opened. Almost, it all keeps on building up, and it doesn't build up in different directions, taking an equal balanced policy. It builds up and stacks all in the aim, ultimately, of the social justice movements, to all move left. Every, you see, all the policy comes in, all the social policy, oh, we legalise this, we legalise that, we legalise that. What's next, is my question. We see, as we talked about last week, Germany has now will now go ahead, probably, and introduce self-ID laws. What comes after, is my question. It's never, as we see it, oh, yes, but what's the problem with this one bit of policy? But it's not necessarily the problem with that policy, is that policy, which then fuels other policy, which fuels another policy, which fuels another policy, and suddenly we're 50, down the, 50 years down the line and we think, oh dear, how on earth did we get to this place where we have an Orwellian state that wants to control everything everyone does? And we think, actually, it originally, the message came from freedom. They originally mm-hmm. wanted freedom, and they thought, we shall free our citizens by banning offence. That's be the final step. You offend someone, and it's jail time for you. Again, it's very... Well, I'm offended that you said that. It's doom, it's doom and gloom from me, as usual, on, on social issues. Yes. But where does it stop, is my question. Suddenly, we will be coming to the point where we think, no, it's entirely right. The Overton window has shifted so far. It's entirely right that anyone who says anything mildly offensive or calls me any sorts of names or bullies in quotation marks, because it's not but the way they're doing it is not actually bullying in any sort of way. Mm. Oh, they must face reprimands. That is where I fear it goes. And not necessarily in five, ten years, but in maybe 15 years or 20 years. Who knows what will happen? There was a book I was reading, which is, yes, it's, some of it is quite out there because it's from um, the co-founder of a Scandinavian new right think tank. So some may disagree with the issues. But, it, but it, it predicts almost the fall of the liberal world order as it is by 2050 because it's, un, it's an unsustainable model. And we look even at the risk we pose within our societies and geopolitical issues by fighting all these proxy wars, but not actually focusing on building good national culture, building good sense of community. These are all things that human nature desires. Mm-hmm. This aspect of community, this aspect of connection, this aspect of we are all together in this. And not polarising our politics into you are right, I, uh, I am right, you are wrong, um, I am virtuous, you are damned. Those sorts of aspects. It's about building almost a sense of culture. The state should almost... the sta- the, Again, this will go back to Julius Evola. But the people are the body of the state, and the state mm-hmm. is the spirit of the people. Again, it forms a different view on the, almost what he calls the authentic right. But it's about that sense of... It should all be together, and we're almost recognised. We're all working to the same aims, but the cultural issues are what concern me, not the economic issues as such. But it's actually the cultural issues that concern me more, because they should come before economic issues. Because the economies they go up and down, and we can try and implement policy, but it's again, in my opinion, best left alone. What we should be dealing is cultural issues, or trying to foster a sense of community, because we do face in the next few t- next decade or so a rising threat from the east we see a rising china where they look again i i, I say fair fair game to them they've done a long game they've played their policy well 
and the cards are in their hands. They hold the cards. And the West has really done nothing to counter it. And again, I think the Overton windows had a, had a form to play with that because we're too busy fighting cultural wars that we ignore a- actual wars on our doorstep. Um, that's my own opinion. There you go, yeah. Love I mean, China. You love China. Uh, <laughs> have to say that, yes. You are very passionate about it, indeed. Mm, yes. Um, no, some interesting points today. And I think I think one thing that we do come back to on this podcast, and it is probably the favourite topic of yours, is it all comes down to sort of wokeness at the end of the ah, day, yes. doesn't it? You know, Wokeness, yes. Um, and it's true. Archie, I think Archie should should stand to fight the woke woke brigade. Well, we're going to get a woke person on, I think, <laughs> or what has been described to me as woke. Maybe they're not actually woke. Uh, I I shan't comment quite yet, but we uh, are, well, we shall get a woke person on the program to discuss wokeism in our society. There's a really interesting uh, as a recommendation for you on BBC Radio Four the other day. Oh, nice! I found the article. I found the po- the podcast extraordinarily left wing, from my own personal opinion. But it, it was rather interesting. I like to see things of different opinions. Well, I, that's I quite good. En- I quite enjoyed it. But it was um, oh Christ, Trikey, Where where is it? Um, it's something on Christianity and wokeism. I have a book coming on it. Uh, one minute. But anyway, it was. Um, I can't quite. F- I can't quite find it. But anyways, it was on Christianity and wokeism. Um, and it was how wokeism is potentially becoming almost a new religion, maybe an rat's religion. That's what it was becoming. Or more people actually turning back to Christianity because they got fed up with the hippie culture of the 70s. Um, And that would be interesting to see if we actually return more to traditional values because the modern values, I think, are detrimental to us all. Which, as a young person, is probably quite an odd opinion to have and does give me some flag. But anyway, Oliver, what are your final closing thoughts on the Overton window? Good, bad? What do you think it would lead to? Um... I think it just shows that, you know, that like we're saying, that it simply exists, shows that we are prepared for things to what we deem to be unthinkable to then become popular in a way that things will, we will sort of be brainwashed in a sense, if you, if you, mm. if you know what I mean. Um, but yes, I think it's, it's concerning. Mm. Um, and I think that we people need to stand up against and not let things slip, like we say mm. with the um, well, the thing that we were talking about a few weeks ago. What was that? Creeping normality. Creeping normality. Mm. Uh, but yes, that, that that that's it really from me. Mm. No, I'd agree. It's, it's, all, it's all about keeping things consistent. Conservative. Conservative, <laughs> yes. That's what we like to hear. Thank Tradition. You, Tradition, yes. Uh, but it'll be interesting, I suppose, when we're next back on, we'll have a new Prime Minister. Yes, definitely. Kingdom. Hopefully, it's Liz Truss. Uh, and we can fight the culture wars, which will be good. Yes, Even though the culture wars shouldn't Nadine need to be will be remain oh. as DSMR or whatever it is, Culture Secretary, Digital Media, Sport and Culture, D... Digital... D-M-S... C DMSC. Very good, Oliver. Yeah, yeah. took me took me a minute there. She always says I'm the Secretary of State for DSM or whatever it is. Mm. But yeah, she's a laughing stock. So <laughs> keep her there. Keep her there. 
Oliver, you, you know you can't say these things. You might cause offence. <laughs> Crikey. But yes, uh, that probably wraps up the podcast. I don't see if you have any recommendations, Oliver, for you to take a look at. Oh, um, trying to think. Was there anything I've been watching on? There was something. Oh, I can't remember. Can't remember. Feel like there is something I definitely wanted to say, but doesn't spring to mind. Well, I actually do have a recommendation. I have a wonderful little book, not written by Moustache Man, no. Written by his Italian counterpart, who came before Moustache Man. That is Benito Mussolini. He is quite interesting character. I, I like reading about dictators. They're fascinating people, usually. But it's his autobiography, entitled My Autobiography. You can find a copy probably online somewhere uh, to order. This is a, It's published in 1928, originally. Uh, and this and it's, is the original copy. No, this is not an original copy. Himself. No, this is a, a t- translation by an American diplomat, who who is, is a former American ambassador to Italy. But it's quite an interesting story, because he was the American ambassador, but he was also very much a supporter of fascism. The American uh, diplomacy works slightly differently than UK diplomacy, where civil servants are generally neutral and civil servants put as the ambassador, but the ambassadors are more political appointees by the US administration. Um, but anyway, this this was actually, uh, wait, was it one, two, three, four, five, sixth edition uh, from 38. But it's, it's, it's a really interesting book because it's written from his perspective. And I obviously advise you to go and read other perspectives of why Mussolini rose to power because it very much is justifying why he did what he did because it's written by him. So, or rather partially written by him and partially ghostwritten. So it's no wonder it very much praises, oh, we had to go and fight the uh, disease of socialism in our country. Because obviously it was coming from But it's quite an interesting perspective. Because after, especially after... Again, not all is bad about him. He did bad things. Everyone does bad things. And some people do more bad things than good things. But we can learn from people. Always learn from people. That's, that's, that's one of my key principles. We can always learn from people, however awful they are or however wonderful they are. And we've we've written off a lot of, for example, figures like Mussolini or anyone who tries to speak about Mussolini or Hitler. Again, Hitler was atrocious. They're atrocious characters. But again, all Mussolini wanted to do was make the trains run on time, as was called a fascist dog whistle in an article I read a few weeks ago. But to discuss these people is actually very important. Because we went through a wave after uh, World War II of very much getting rid of anything remotely fascist. Which, in one regard, is good. But in another regard, didn't just get rid of fascism. It's like taking antibiotics. It Mm. doesn't just get rid of the bad bacteria. It gets rid of good bacteria, too. And it stripped away a lot of almost right-wing thinking in social issues, which wasn't fascism. We must remember... We had uh, the likes of oh, Churchill was probably isn't a very good example because he was a liberal, but it isn't right wing to fight against fascism. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of stuff which has been stripped. And again, I will explore it in other parts. I'm still reading on the, this issue. It's quite interesting. But there's a lot of our culture that was lost, not even from World War Two, but after World War One, it was almost the pre the social changes which enacted because it was such a massive upheaval. So many dead, awful events created. There has to be a level of change, and maybe that is on the cards in the, in the next few decades, if we're unlucky, and ho- hopefully not. Hopefully we don't have anything created. But the global situation is quite interesting, especially if we remain with the senile old man in charge of the free world. 
if you didn't get what I meant there, listeners, I meant Joseph Biden. Uh, whether we'd have the same events unfolding in the likes of Ukraine or maybe threats to Taiwan if uh, Mr. Trump was in power, we might not know. We might never know. But Joseph Biden is an interesting character. Remember, he likes chop, uh, chocolate, double cho- chocolate chip ice cream and falls off bicycles. That, yeah. He's had an interesting time in office, hasn't he? So far. Certainly. Whether yes. he gets to the end. Well, he's better than Kamala Harris, I think. Mrs. Harris. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Harris is questionable in a bit. Then I think that ends our podcast for today. And again, I'm just to state I'm not there and endorsing uh, Mussolini, Benito Mussolini. Thank Mussolini. you for the clarification there. Um, but I just said it's interesting read. Anyway, that sums up. So join us next week for more political intrigue. Hope we've not scared you away with offending you or anything of the like. But if you did listen to last week, the same disclaimer applies this week as well. <laughs> Must say. Always applies. We should, we should add a permanent disclaimer at the start of yeah. every podcast within the theme music. So yes, that is the wrong theme music. I didn't mean to play that one. That was from season three or something. We did go through this a while ago. The history yeah, of Yeah, we did. <laughs> that was quite a funny episode. That was an enjoyable episode. So yeah, that wraps up Political Bubble for this week. I do hope you've enjoyed. You can find more episodes on manxradio.com forward slash podcast forward slash Politibabble. Do write into us with any queries at Politibabble on social media or Politibabble at gmail.com. Hope you've enjoyed the show. And as usual, we love to play devil's advocate, so don't sue us for anything said in the podcast. Anyway, that leaves me all to say. You've been... Pelletty Babbles. Enjoy. Enjoy.